Hey folks, I have a quick introduction before getting to the FPDR podcast. For any of you intrepid listeners who do make it all the way through, or if you don't make it all the way through, if any of the content that we cover doesn't make sense or, or you have questions, please send Brent or me an email and we'll get together and do a round two and answer any questions. And we will try real hard to shorten that one up, just make it 15 or 20 minutes at most. Thanks. Enjoy. Welcome to the PFFA podcast, and I am Kyle McLaren, your host, I'm sitting here with FPDR liaison, Brent Cavanis. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. Um, so we are going to talk today about all things FPDR, Fire Police Disability and Retirement. Um, I am the FPDR trustee, Brent is the liaison. They are often confused positions. And listen, folks out there, we have a really, we have a lot of strength when it comes to going down rabbit holes, we're really good at that. We're gonna try not to go too deep into the weeds and go down too many rabbit holes, but whatever happens, happens. We're just gonna converse. I think that we wanna try and get to, um, start out at least 10,000 foot view about the liaison position, because I think it could be helpful information for folks. Um, this is a position that when I first sort of paid attention to it, Gabe Sansone had the, had the spot, mm -hmm, yeah. he did an awesome job, and he was uh, after Gabe uh, Frank Carlo. Was doing that spot for at least three or four years, I feel like. Yep. Um, uh, Gabe, Larry Fellows for a brief stint. Right. And then uh, F FDC had FDC. A, probably the longest run. During my career, this is yeah. what I recall. Mm -hmm. Everyone, uh, yeah. And now Brent's in the position, but due to some military issues, uh, Jared Loss has stepped in and done great, great backup work for you as well. Yep. It, um, tur it turns out uh, it's a good idea to have a backup yeah. for a position that you might need seven days a week. So turns out it's been huh. an opportunity. So it's great. And it sounds like we, so we just talked off off uh, mic for a while. And the three of you, FTC, Laws and you, you still can bounce ideas off each other and work together a little bit if you need if you need um, to get through some issues or if you need a little different knowledge points. Is that is that? Yeah, kind of what happens. I, th you know, I, I think the opportunity that was created there was, um, you know, some some folks have retired out of this position, and uh, you lose all that corporate knowledge. Sure. So there's three, three of us really that have a uh, substantive, you know, experience and background at this point, and um, it, it can get complex. You're talking yeah. about yeah, Chapter Five of the City Charter, which is all legal language, and mm -hmm. you know, it's when you're getting pulled down, just kind of doing whack-a-mole with the day-to-day -day business of right. taking care of our, right. our folks. Um, it's hard to think about program and improvement and policy. And so that's been a great opportunity, not just to have uh, backups so I could take that vacation leave thing and uh -huh. other things, but also uh, to bounce, you know, I'm thinking this, what do you guys think? And right. we'll talk about that later. But I think, right. I think as a result of that, we've had some key improvements um, over the last we'll, year. Yeah. And we'll get to that as well. So that's kind of a new thing from my experience to have some of that, that knowledge spread out, which is great. But I, I've gotten ahead of myself. Yep. I want to back up just a, a second here. Uh, so I think you just said you're in 21 years in the Bureau. Yep, December will be 21. Let's uh, just give folks a little bit of a background I was, um, of your background, both you know military, uh, a Bureau, just so folks they haven't met you, they can get a sense of some of where you've been in the Bureau. You bet. Uh, so, yep, I was hired in uh, in 2001. I, uh, after training, uh, did did my obligatory traveling, got injured, uh -huh. and was on light duty. Um, so that was very early in my career, and uh -huh. that's, that's a rabbit hole story that yeah, well, we can save for another time. But, uh, put an asterisk on that one. Uh, it was an interesting <laughs> experience, very different than what we have today. Thank goodness things are a lot better. 
Um, and then I got assigned to Engine 40, um, which is now the Toy Enjoy. Uh-huh. Moved moved over there and closed it down and went to uh, 28s, uh, where you and I had crossed yeah. paths, which was great. Yep. And um, and then I went into the uh, FMO in 2016. So you spent a large part of your, your career in the Hollywood area. That's right. Yep. I was a kind of a one station. one. Uh-huh. You know, that was my track. I one kind FMA of thought guy. I might retire out of there and made some changes for family reasons. And Right. Uh, what about your military? What's yeah, your military so um, military uh, went into the army after high school. Uh, I, I did my four year enlistment. I was an infantryman. Uh, got out and uh, you know went to college and did some stuff and eventually you know got got into lucky to get hired here with Portland. But uh, I've stayed in the guard and reserve since then. I just hit twenty eight years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm an at will employee at that point, as you can imagine, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I've really been fortunate in the latter part of my career to have some fantastic uh, leadership opportunities. Um, I did a job that uh, I was a first sergeant. That's uh, a senior NCO leadership gig. Mm-hmm. A lot of parallels to things I would do for the care and feeding of my troops there that I think has some parity with FPDR liaison. Uh-huh. Uh, but then, uh, you know, I was, I'm uh, currently a chief master sergeant in the Oregon Air Guard. Uh, a lot, you know, you just kind of, you move up and more, right. more leadership right. and program responsibility. Right, right. And uh, it's, you know, you're burning the candle at both ends, but uh-huh. I feel like uh, some of the opportunities I've had on the military side now uh, are really beneficial here, kind of with, you know, I don't have authorities or leadership, but uh-huh. I have a lot, some influence and you're navigating a lot of things, right. that, kind of that corporate, you know, translating that experience Navigate, corporately, if you yeah, will, I see the, it, it sticks and it's been, it's been... Like navigating systems, navigating administrative rules, navigating... Yeah, even talking yeah. to people and senior leaders and, right. you know, right. it's, you know, division chiefs, you know, bureau directors. Right. It's, not, it's not every day, but sometimes you got to do it. Some of those gotta, skills definitely transfer. So there are a lot of folks out there who haven't met you, so that gives them a little bit of background. Um, so I guess two things I want to start with. I guess I can only go one at a time. Let's start with the history, then we'll talk a little bit about more of the specifics of uh, liaison responsibilities, okay? And just for the folks out there who can't see us, we do F- have a FPDR look. history first, kind of? Yeah. Then, yeah, yeah, let's yeah. do that. Okay, yeah. so, uh, so 1902, uh, the voters had established uh, a retirement program for police and fire. It fails financially numerous times. Mm. Um, the 1940s, they established basically what we have today, We'll, we'll call it the fund. It's, okay. They, they use that. It's even in the, yes, they in the do. descriptions. In so FPDR, letters. the fund. I'm using yep. my air quotes. Uh, <laughs> so, it's, so it's codified in Chapter 5 of the city charter, and that was put in place in the 40s. Uh, our funding comes from uh, a levy on property tax. Yep, yep. That's how we're funded. And um, there's a lot of changes. There's a If you're really into that stuff, there's a nice history of PDR, FPDR document you can get from the website, or I can send to you that goes into far more detail, mm-hmm. but let's just fast forward into yeah, yeah, yeah. 2006 was kind of the most recent substantive change, I think, uh, structurally in terms of where we are today. It is. And it will tie into what what you do as the trustee as well. A little bit. But yeah. there was an amendment. They they tweaked up the board of trustees and how we do things process-wise. So, you know, anyone who's been through disability since then or an injury, you know, disability claim knows you, you, you apply. And you have a claim administrator that will adjudicate it unless it's over their head, then it goes right. to They're you know, old, the old purple packet. Mm-hmm. Yep. So there's a process that kind of parallels what happens in workers' comp process-wise a lot, a lot of ways. Um, but before that, it was different. You know, there was right. a board and the board was voting on 
claim approval, and now we have a professional and st- staff and administrators from that 2006 change. M- more like insurance uh, industry in, uh, individuals. So those, the original the board of trustees, and I, I got hired in uh, September 06. Mm-hmm. So I was one of the last classes in FPDNR2. So I don't have much history. I don't have very little history with how they used to adjudicate claims. But to my knowledge, I believe that board used to vote on claims that came through. And that may have been part of the problem. Some of the issues with why there was some some trouble with the financials of the fund uh, moving to the future. At that point in 05, 06 that sparked the reform, there was this 30-year, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not a fiduciary, it's a 30-year actuarial oh, okay. um, yeah. mm-hmm. review that they were saying that, was, that the fund was gonna be hugely in debt. Yep. So they had to go through some reforms. Uh, maybe I'm getting the cart before the horse here. I don't know. Did you have something else you wanted to? No, that's good trustee stuff because I, I mean the the why behind it I never really dug into. I'm not really too far ahead of you since we're both old guys at this point. But uh, I wasn't paying attention to any of that stuff early in my career, you know. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean the process was different, and they reformed it to, you know, more of a professional industry standard parity with that. And, and one of the biggest things about that is they established the FP, FPDNR three tier, which is uh, the PERS OPSER group, which was mm-hmm. in 2007, January 2007, moving forward, that everybody on the pension side was moving to the state pension and away from this, the city FPDNR pension. Yeah, let me let me talk about that real quick. So that's a good pivot to who's in, what is FPDR? You know, you, we are all FPDR members after six, well, now after six months of employment, you're mm-hmm. gained. You retire from Fire Bureau, you're not a Fire Bureau member anymore, right? But you are still an FPDR member. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it and it falls under three tiers. So uh, FPDR one, uh, those were folks that were sworn before November 1989, but a lot of people converted over um, that were eligible to. For FPDR two, uh, 1989 to 2006, like you said. Mm-hmm. And so that's, you're in FPDR for pension and disability benefits. FPDR 3, January 2007 forward, you are in PERS for pension and retirement, mm-hmm. but FPDR for disability. So we're all in for service-connected disability and non-service at mm-hmm. 10 years or more. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then some differences in where you are for pension, depending on when you were, you were hired there. Right. And, you know... Hopefully that makes sense, everybody. If it doesn't um, call me, that's what they pay me to do to talk I mean, about it's, this it's, stuff. Right? It's, it's pretty, it's pretty straightforward. Yeah. Um, You're the fire trustee on the board, right. so let's talk about yeah, that a little sure, bit. Yeah, sure, sure, real quick. Um, so I'm, I'm new in this position. It's been just about a year, I guess, maybe a little less. Um, pre- previous to me sitting in that that seat, it was Jason Laban for I want to say ten or he the, was there a long time, 10, yeah. 12 years. Yeah, he had a good uh, run, quite a while. Um, so. Ultimately, I can tell you, uh, I'm gonna actually read this real quick. It's a one sentence about the, oops, the fire, the, the board of trustees. So basically as a trustee, I am entrusted with the responsibility of ensuring the efficient administration and legal compliance of the FPDNR plan. And that plan is, is essentially charter, chapter five of the city charter. Yep. Um, and I will say, uh, I've been a little disappointed in a sense that I really am not able to make much in the way of substantive changes in the way FPNR works. It's more a issue of the board of trustees is set up as one fire, one police representative, two citizen representatives, and an and a appointee of the mayor. So it's a five-person board, 
previously had been, I want to say 11, maybe 12. Yeah, it was bigger. Um, and you have all the people that work for FPDNR who are doing the day-to-day work, and they present to us actuarial reports, the budget, the state of FPDNR, essentially what things, how things are going, how the fund is doing, well, where we are as far as projected and actual budgets, that sort of thing. And we are then able to have uh, the vote on moving forward, anything needs to change. There's not a lot really from my seat to affect change, but we want to make sure that everyone is uh, getting good customer service because the members, when they come to FPNR with disability or retirement issues, that they're getting good customer service, they're getting the claims, uh, the claim, we get to hear about what the claims are and what. You also have a site picture of kind of the the, the data uh, explained, right? Like the categories, claim total number of claims. Yes, uh, yes. You get, so there's a state of FPDR, you know, every year. You get, you're getting the aggregate uh, report. Right. You know, and the big what thing are we doing? Been, what are we doing? How are we doing yeah, it? The big thing that's been driving claims this past year has been COVID. Yeah. And that's going to drop off here for the next report. Ultimately. Oh, maybe. We'll see. We'll, we'll see. We'll talk about that later, too. Yeah. And ultimately, I guess my point being that I may have thought I was going to be able to affect some changes sitting in that seat. It's not really the case. Mm-hmm. But at least we can start to, to figure out if there are any things that maybe need to be addressed, yeah. we can start figuring out what levers to pull or, or how to start mm-hmm. addressing them. So I'm still learning a bunch about and, and And you can influence, you, well, you do influence it, right? Because you will vote on issues that affect change for us as they are brought through the board, to yeah. whatever that may be. Yeah. But if I, if I, if I wanted to change something, it has to... Colin McClary doesn't do I it. I don't get to change anything. But, you, want, but you get a vote on it. I get a vote on it. Yeah. Yep. For yeah. us. Yeah. And, and um, when, when are the meetings? Uh, they are, well, they couldn't be every month, but typically they're every other month. Yep. Um, so there's potential and they're scheduled for every month. And that was something that happened. We had, we did do that, uh, I want to say September, October, November, mm-hmm. but typically they're going to be, uh, just six times a year. And, uh, I take it back. We often skip it in the, in the summer. So mm-hmm. five or six meetings a year. Yep. How can members, uh, participate in the meetings or view them if they well, want to? Well, now, now they're done. Uh, hybrid, or they will be starting hybrid in January. Uh, they've been Zoom meetings. Any, any, anybody can join. Anybody mm-hmm. can watch them. They're public. Uh, you just there's a announcement that comes out, and if you want to join, or you can just join on the uh, closed caption yep. link. And if you want, you can. Anybody can speak too. Anybody yeah. in the public, if they want something brought up, they just sign up and can yep. bring a, bring an issue forward. So they can sign up to participate in the meeting, and they can view them on the city. Mm-hmm. Uh, YouTube channel. I think yes. it's all it's on the yeah. city webpage. There's, there's right? a, uh, yeah. This won't be out in time. There's a meeting tomorrow, and there's somebody from the public who signed mm-hmm. up who wants to talk about. Uh, no, no, no. I want to talk about the pension plan essentially. Mm. So we'll see what he has to say. Yeah, and they are uh, they're all recorded, right? Mm-hmm. So if you want to, you can go back and look at. Yeah, but some years worth. There's some discussion about whether they're going to be keeping the videos mm-hmm. for more than two years. Yeah, which. I've argued that they should archive them, but mm-hmm. they may just be keeping them in hard copies of notes. Trans- the transcripts. transcripts yeah. 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 Okay. So um, I want to pivot again, mm-hmm. talk about your position. Yep. The liaison. So there's a four-page document here about the duties and, and responsibilities yep. of the liaison. I remember looking at it because at one point I was thinking about applying for that position. Yeah. It's kind of... It's re- not too late for you. Huh? It's kind of a dis ridiculous list of bullet points it's four pages single space bullets general disability pension general i mean can you just give us a better idea of what you do what the members should expect from you um what 
I don't know. You take it. What are your general day-to-day work, and what what do you think is the best way you can help the membership? Yep. I mean, it's the basic, we have other liaisons, right? A liaison is just a conduit between one agency or people to another. In my case, um, that four-pager, there's some obscure things that sometimes happen. They're just not, you know, we'll talk about mostly what is the day-to-day. Yeah. The day-to-day really mostly is helping members navigate the claim process. Um so mostly you're working mostly in the disability arena. Yeah, and and in the context of that, there's a lot there's a lot of administrative tail that comes with the claim, uh, much to the dismay of many of our members. There's no free lunch, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, some of that is things the member never sees. You know, if PDR needs additional additional subst- substantiating documentation or information, I'll provide that as part of my routine duties for every claim hours worked, schedule, mm-hmm. injury report. No, there's really no surprises there. Sometimes it's answering questions. Sometimes it's, okay. you know. So let me ask you this. I'm just interrupt you real quick. Mm-hmm. All right, so Kyle McLowry gets injured on yeah. duty, fill out a purple packet. Do you, are you expecting a phone call or is it just, how do you, do you want that member to call you or just do the purple packet and let channels could be? It depends. It's always a good idea to talk about it, but we have folks that know what they're doing most more often than not i'll talk to the member occasionally mm-hmm. i don't you know if it's mm-hmm. simple and you know they know what they're doing and i'll look at the documents that come through you know work status report disability in the line of duty those sorts of things mm-hmm. that um, go through channels bhq will see those your chain of, your channels you know your chain of command will see those and i will see them there's things that are not seen um there's some level of confidentiality that's very important to know about um but yeah, I mean, most of the time I'll talk to the member. And okay. It's discretionary on the member. I think it's a good idea to call me. That's what I get paid to do. You do you get flagged every time a purple packet is filed? Uh, after it goes through FPDR. You It'll do. come back. BHQ will get a work status report. I'm on that distro. Okay. Because um, we need to know, you know, uh, yeah. for different reasons. Staffing, obviously, for BHQ. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that a claim was filed and that you were hurt. That's the disability in the line of duty. That goes right. through channels as well. What we don't see is your detailed medical information. Attending physician report, right? Mm-hmm. They say, what's going on with you? Your diagnosis, all mm-hmm. the stuff. I don't have a need to see that. BHQ doesn't have a need to see that. No one in your chain, that's your confidential mm-hmm. medical information. Now, mm-hmm. often, I'm going to generally know what's going sure. on with you. Sure. That's going to come out in the advising. But then I have confidentiality uh, to maintain as well. I don't tell anyone else other than maybe your claim analyst. We know a lot of the same things if we're right. talking about it, right? Uh, but what can I tell anyone else that's asking? BHQ, a chief, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. I can tell them what your work status report says. Got it. Got it. So you, we have, and if you're concerned about confidentiality, give me a call. We'll talk about it before okay. we can even talk about that. But I just so, want to, I want to reaffirm that there's a, a high degree. It should be no surprise to anyone. You know, we're dealing with medical issues right. here. There are professional and legal standards on all of this right. stuff. So we, your, your stuff is confidential. Right. You, you know, you got to have trust in this position. So right. I guess if you don't trust me, we'll call. We'll put, we'll put Jared or right or uh, Frank on. That I don't think there's much of an yeah. issue. I, I mean, I haven't heard anything. I haven't heard anything in that vein. Well, no. no. Fire bureaus forever. Maybe I made someone mad 18 years ago, and they that don't could, like me. You know, that's no o- that's okay. That's no okay. Doubt. We will get you right. what you need when it comes Copy to that. Your, your injury and disability stuff. Well, let's talk about one of the things that is often associated with FPDNR, uh, which is presumption. And there's a, a quite a few uh, presumptive illnesses, mostly cancers. Yeah. Um, and of course, recently there's there was the uh, 
Uh, well, most recently we had the heart and lung was was added, but let's let's step nope. back real quick. Okay. Let's 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 go to presumption. What do I do? The mate. Let's just boil it down to the two but, basic no, before things. Before I do that, I, I'm not. I'm going to edit this out. Why am I fucking blanking? Oh, PTSI. That's what. I, yeah. There is a, okay. Oh, that's that's when I would like to go into a little bit of detail, and I'd like to gloss over some of it just as awareness. We have presumptions on these things. That's when you call me, right? Right. But um, so. What, what does FPDR really do? Pension for about half of our membership, right? The PERS mm-hmm. guys, they're not doing, you know, they're not administering your pension. Right. Um, and and uh, service-connected disability uh-huh. or non-service-connected disability. Uh-huh. Mostly that's where I spend my time. Uh, so you ha- we have, you know, service-connected disability. You get hurt on the job or have an illness that has a presumption uh, that's service-connected, right? Non-service-connected disability you have to have 10 years in. Mm-hmm. That's for anyone over 10 years. You get hurt skiing, break your leg, and you're not going to be at work for six to nine months. You could apply for non-service connected disability. Mm-hmm. Service connected disability, service connected disability pays 75% of your wages, tax-free, right. full pension credit, full pension credit. So you're off for six months. Yep. You don't have to work an extra six months at the end of your career to get those back. If you're service connected. Okay. And 75% tax-free should tax be free. should be pretty close to your uh, take-home if you were working. That's what it was intended for, yeah. I think. Yeah. Should be close. Okay. Um, okay. Non-service connected. Uh, members, again, members with 10 or more years of service can apply for that. 50% of your wages. Taxable. 66% service credit. Oh, I did not realize that was 60 60- has that always been the case? The, uh, the tax credit part? Yeah, I mean, I mean I the service credit part? Which is kind of interesting, right? Like, well, most people probably can't live on 50% I, of their wages, but I don't know of any other job that's going to pay you half your wages and give you some partial retirement credit for something huh. you did off That's duty. funny. I, I've been through this before, but I didn't realize the service yeah. credit part. Um, so it's really, I have to highlight this, underscore it. 50% of wages... Taxed. Taxed, yep. That's so true. So that's not much. I, I don't know. I mean, there's nothing I've read that speaks to the intent of this, but it seems to me like it's just meant, you know, we've invested in the whole premise of the charters to take care of our mem- members and our dependents, right? right? Uh, and so, or chapter And you know, I'm chapter not going to belabor this, but this is, where, this is why and where LTD and STD insurance comes into play. Yeah. Okay. It's that's for those catastrophic times, right. for sure. For, because, yeah. Okay. Um, but I would say, you know, it just seems to me like the intent is just to keep the lights on and get you back to work. I, yeah. No one's going to, you know, it's not going to, it's not lucrative. It's not a great deal. Look, well, uh, it is a great deal, I think, because I don't know of any other job uh, that has it, right? Well, but you just, listen, man, everybody, anybody who's been through it, yeah. myself included, being off on non-service mm-hmm. sucks. You want to get, you want to get back to work as soon oh, as you can. Of course you do. Yeah. yeah. But uh, it's, it's designed, we don't want you out in the street destitute with nothing, right? So I think, yeah. I think that was the intent. Good enough. And, Good enough. Okay. Okay, so and within uh, the service-connected injury realm or disability realm, we have presumption. Some right. we have presumption on some things, right? And they're all mostly driven through uh, legislation, so they're legally stipulated to be presumptive conditions. If you have this, it's assumed that it's work-related, right? Mm-hmm. It's very different, um, you know, than you hurt yourself and you got to prove, you know, that it was work-related versus presumption. The employers got to prove it wasn't work related. That's the layman's terms of it. Right? <laughs> you, lawyers would tear me up on this one, but you got uh, we're, among, of, we're among friends. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So I mean, I kind of took 
do a little bit of reading here. Okay. Typically, the burden of proving an illness is an occupational illness or injury falls on the worker. Presumption assumes the illness or injury is resulting due to occupational exposure or conditions and places the burden on the employer to prove otherwise. What that doesn't mean is if I have uh, pneumonia, say, that's something we have presumption on, uh-huh. that it's automatic. I just get it. It means you're pretty likely to get it. You still yeah. got to do the administrative right. work that comes with it, right? right? And that's true true for all of them. They're, and in fact, some of them can be quite substantial in what, what we need to do for, for a claim. Mm-hmm. So what do we have presumption on? That's That was the question, right? We have presumptive legislation for some cancers. Um, I won't list them all here that, for, yeah, that's to fine. save time. You can research that. Uh, we recently added heart and, heart and lung. That's, mm-hmm. that's uh, disease of the lungs or respiratory tract hypertension, or cardiovascular renal disease. And Those without are, getting too much in the weeds, is the heart electrical and plumbing or just uh, electrical? It, it's, uh, it's an it depends. Um, it, it's, it's what it says. It, <laughs> is, it constri- is the doc going to say um, it's a disease of the heart? Okay, okay. We, you know, so if it, was it a, depends is a fine answer. That's okay. I don't yeah, it's go not as clear as like yeah. anything. I think what you're asking is, is anything heart-related presumptive? The answer is no. Okay. We've had That's some claims denied, yeah. <clears throat> and I've tried to get some clarification on this, um, but nobody wants to legally write what they're not, what they're going to deny, right? It's right. Not, it's not there yet, but we're starting to build a body of, if the doc doesn't think, if the doc thinks it was genetic or mechanical and absolutely not work-related, and by the way, we've had that, mm-hmm. uh, then it's probably not going to go. Then it's a more of an uphill battle. Yeah. Okay. I'm, and I'm certainly not the expert on that. I, right. But, you know. We should and caveat then, everything we say from here forward. None of us are experts. <laughs> I'm a knowledge generalist on these things, yes. <laughs> and I will usually tell you I think Ooh. it's this, and I'm going to go look, do a little yeah. research. Yeah. I mean, we just added new cancers, right? Right. Maybe that's something that if, right. if we disagree with that as a, uh, you know, the firefighters in the state of Oregon, that's a legislative fix. If we're getting denials in a certain group, Got it. I think that's Got my it. opinion. You know. Got it. Right. Um, was that the intent of the legislation? Got it. Well, maybe it wasn't, but that's the way it's written and that's the way it's going to be administered, right? Often the case with these things. Well, we'll step through those. Just like we successfully added several cancers. Mm-hmm. That was a big win. Um, for, for cardiac heart things, like we will, I guess we will see time will tell as we yeah. get a body of yeah. evidence and what's getting approved or not, not getting approved to your question. Uh, acute stress or post-traumatic stress disorder is presumptive when certain conditions are met. And I would like to take a moment to talk about this one. He says with a, a smile, well, a, a knowing, a knowing grin. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh-huh. There's a reason it's presumptive. We know what the job does to us and the additional stresses and that, that you know take yes, place. Yep. So this is a good one to have for this to be to meet the. It, it's huge. So you have to be diagnosed by a psychologist or psychiatrist uh, to meet the criteria in DSM five mm-hmm. for post traumatic stress disorder or acute stress disorder. Okay. Uh, I don't think there's a lot of psychiatrists. I don't have any in my Rolodex that firefighters mm. in, in, in our area are working with. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're very light on clinical psychologists that mm-hmm. can do this diagnosis. However, if you are being treated and your master's level clinician who is professionally trained mm-hmm. can do this, thinks that you meet this, that's a great start for moving down the claim road. Okay. Because now we just need to get that diagnosis confirmed by Got a psychologist. It. And have, have we or, crossed or this? Psychiatrist. Have we crossed this bridge? Yes. Uh, we have, okay. Yep. With other members, okay. Where it is a problem, you let me, let me say it this way. 
where I think it's a challenge. You would not put a cancer claim in if you hadn't been diagnosed with cancer, right? Mm -hmm. So my, just a rhetorical, how mm -hmm. would we put a acute stress or post-traumatic stress claim in if a member has not been diagnosed? I mean, it makes sense. So please I mean, get, get, we have peer supporters. I've got a list. If you're struggling, we, we don't, we think that's where it's going to go. Okay. But let's get into treatment and then diagnosis will come with that. And just a little bit in the weeds again. So let's just have a hypothetical. And again, I have no idea. But member X has been through seeing a, clin a clinical psychologist, I mean, not psychologist, a, a clinician mm -hmm. who is uh, culturally competent, is doing good work. Sure. Yep. And they then move forward to a diagnosis from a licensed psychologist. Mm -hmm. Will that work that they've done with this, the. Yeah, I think will, that's. Will, will I, think, be, I guess I'm asking, will it be retro? covered from things prior to the actual diagnosis. Is that a reason? You know, yeah. Oh, you're asking me to give an opinion now. Uh, so I think so. I think that's fine because what we need is the, you know, the, the diagnosis confirmed by a clinical psychologist right. or a psychiatrist. And so they are using the same standards. They're just not certified or trained to that clinical psych psychiatrist level. And so it's, it's, you're on the right path. It's very likely. We're going to line you okay. up with a clinical, culturally competent, you know, person from there who, uh -huh. who might not otherwise be able to take you as a patient because right. their caseload's full. But understanding where we're at and where the state law is and the process in, you know, administering these claims, okay. that, that so, connects the dots. So I, I guess maybe the addendum to my question is once you then get the, this may be a better question, actually, once you get the diagnosis, can you then continue with the clinician, master's level clinician, and that be covered? I think so. Okay. Yeah, because then, okay. then your psych is kind of like your attending physician, right? Okay. This gets into the weeds of people okay. like, what are you talking about? I, I may have gone well, too far. Well, you might be, I, I you just, might be it, getting a specialty surgery, and that surgeon might not be your attending physician, right? Right. And so, yeah, I think it can work that fine could just like be that. your primary care. It's a, yeah. it's a, it really is a, becomes a, a, a matter of necessity because we don't, we just don't have enough folks to, to do this, okay. you know? Okay. Um, so we can, but let me, let me, let, let me say this. <laughs> I'm like, I've, I've got a foot stomp this one, man. Okay. All right. All right. Um, if you are struggling, the, the objective has to be to get treated and help deal with what you're dealing with. hundred percent. Not focused on getting the claim approval. Of course, we're going to go down that road, mm -hmm. but if we're solely focused on claim approval rather than treatment and the outcomes we're looking for, for treatment, mm -hmm. I think that's going to set us up for failure. Get treated, and, and, get right. If you get the diagnosis, levels, you, yeah. you put a claim in, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Although there is a restriction on how much time can pass to make a claim. Oh, this is a good one. I'm, I'm kind of mad at you for throwing that one at me. <laughs> yeah, generally to, to file a claim, it's 30, you have 30 days, right? Mm -hmm. It's a general rule. Right. There can be some exceptions. Okay. This is probably okay. the, the strongest case for an exception. So where would your 30 days start? You don't, you don't know until you're diagnosed, right? Right. If you become aware of it, that's probably your 30 day. If you're diagnosed, that's probably, probably your yeah, 30 day. That you makes know, sense. That's okay. probably how I would. It's not 30 uh, days from the incident. In this case. In this case. Yeah. And again, we're just. I broke my ankle. That's you know, different. doing the physical agility. You're, diagnosed, it, you're yeah. diagnosed with a broken ankle. Whatever. Well, yeah. I twisted my ankle. It's not getting better. And I did it on the drill ground. And 48 days later, I want to file a claim. Right. You had a date time mechanism of injury right. there, right? right. It's different. Okay. 
So, yeah, I mean, the 30 days, as I say, it's a general rule. Okay. Unless you have good cause or there's an exception. That's kind of an open-ended thing, but you got to you gotta validate that, right? And in this mm-hmm. case, it just doesn't fit. It's not a physical injury. It's different. So how does that fit within the 30-day rule? Yeah, probably date of diagnosis yeah. would be where I'd That'd be an go. E- how's that easy you are, argument you are now to, aware, to, to argue? You yeah. have been made aware yeah. that you have... You know, you're struggling with acute stress right. or post-traumatic stress. Fantastic. Unless you want to footstop it some more. No, it's, an, want... it's an, a really important one. I right. think... Uh, so I wanted to underscore it as well. Just yeah. The uh, point you made was 100% on, on target, bullseye. Get the treatment. If you're struggling, don't worry about this part of the aspect of it. You get the treatment. I'm mostly concerned, and I think we all are, with, with our team's overall health and wellness. 100%. Claim disposition can be a big part of that, but we can't put the cart before the horse, right? Okay. It's, All right. It's really as simple as that. Copy that. All right. Where should we Where should we go next? Well, we talked about. Uh, did we cover all the presumptions? No, we didn't, because there's some in the in the charter that, for whatever reason, are there mm-hmm. uh, that we should talk about. Hernia is presumptive. Hernia of the abdominal cavity or diaphragm. Mm-hmm. AIDS, AIDS-related complex, tuberculosis, hepatitis B, right. or pneumonia. Right. I had pneumonia in my mid thirties. I don't know anyone else that's had pneumonia in our mid thirties, mm-hmm. and I didn't know it was presumptive, you know. And uh, yep. somebody, I think I called in sick, and someone's like, "Hey, that's presumptive. You should file a claim." And I said, "What?" And I, I did ex- exact same thing happened to me. I was when I was a VP, I just said I couldn't come to a meeting because I had pneumonia, mm-hmm. and Alan was like, "Well, you should make a claim." I thought I was joking. Yeah, I thought like, it was a joke. <laughs> yeah, like ha ha, and it ended up getting covered. Yeah. Yep. Um, you do need to have it x-rayed, though. That's, yes. Yep. Yeah, so it, was, that's, it was diagnosed. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's this is kind of a quick run-through of what we have presumption on. I, I sure hope that the list of cancers will grow. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe we'll, we'll, you know, probably see what happens legislatively with heart as time goes on okay. and we get more, okay. more claims through on that, but that's where it is today. Well, I'm looking at some of the bullets here. Now, we've, we've, we've touched on some of them. Is this an all right time to maybe um, move over to light duty versus no work and also the leave, uh, um, the non-service issue that was recently changed a little bit? Yeah. So does that that make sense? I'm a big uh, CPI, you know, continuous process improvement, process improvement kind of uh, um, culture person. Mm -hmm. I'm Mm -hmm. really a big fan of that. I'm not like a, you know, a, a a black belt or a green belt belt or any of that, any of that. But uh, I've definitely been involved in some of that um, kind of on the military side. Sure. Some had some, you know, higher kind of leadership level training on it. I love the culture and concept of it. So I always, you don't need formal training to improve process and programs. Mm-hmm. Um, you needed a desire to do it and, and a capacity to and do patience. it. Yeah. A lot of patience <laughs> with the city. And as it turns out, sometimes a team is helpful as well. <laughs> they go back to having, you know, Frank didn't retire out of the position and uh, Jared was able to backfill me and get trained up. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, so between the three of us... I'm going to say real quick, both those guys did great work. Yeah, thanks. I, I agree. Yeah. Um, and and they really helped me do better work, I Good. think. Yeah. and Because uh, I'm able to call them and bounce ideas or things I'm thinking or mm-hmm. a lot of questions with Frank, although they diminish a little bit with time. I still call them once in a while <laughs> and just, Hey guys, this is what I'm thinking. What do you think? And they're mm-hmm. like, I don't see it that way. I don't read the charter that way. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, whatever it may be. But in terms of that, really within about the last year, there's three things that I think that relationship, um, has created, uh, some, some substantive improvements, um, that you might not see if you're not 
you know, if you're not filing a claim, but I'd like to highlight them. Yes. Uh, the this first is, one. This is a time. Let's do the it. first one is leave restoration. I get a lot of calls on this. Mm -hmm. You go on, you file a claim, you're on injury, but you weren't on injury leave. They, we didn't get it reflected in, in crew sense for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. You used your own leaves. Now your claim's approved. We got FPDRs got to restore that leave to yes. you yes. for your approved claim. It's a pain in that's right. It's can a take process. a long time and sometimes, it, and, and people are mad about it sometimes, and rightfully so. It's approved. I want my stuff back. I get it, and I. And I it's hard to track your leaves. Very hard. I'm yeah. I'm very sympathetic to this one. Uh, I do I do my best, but what we did to fix this one or to improve it. Yeah. Frank's training me when I'm you know we get a pay period together and I'm sitting there and I'm like this is dumb. Why are we doing it this <laughs> way? What happens is you, your claim gets approved and then they used to send you a form for you to authorize the restoration. Uh huh. I said, why don't they just send a pre, why don't they just do a form ahead of time and then they can just do it and then notify you at the end what they restored. Yeah. And Frank's, you know, he's very IT savvy. He pulls yeah. out a thing and re, re mocks up the form. He goes, yep, like that. He sends it over to FPDR. Think nothing of it. Six months later, they come back with this approved thing that, nice. you know, we're doing it. Uh -huh. you know, and all credit to Frank on that one because he listened to me complain about something and actually, <laughs> you know, knocked it out. Like, so oh, yeah, what does sense. that mean? Well, I think we're kind of just getting into where this is going. I still get a lot of questions, but what should happen is you should get your, it's a confusing form. It's a legal looking form. Mm -hmm. We didn't really change the form too much. We just changed that you pre-authorize FPDR to restore your leaves upon claim approval. Mm -hmm. Once that happens, now you should get some sort of notification at the tail end. Now that could still take a while. Mm -hmm. I won't get into that, but hopefully that will speed up with COVID claims diminishing. And I'll but. say it's November now. I'm waiting for a restoration from August. Just saying. I mean, that that can be the time frame you're looking at for it various could. reasons. It for could. various reasons. If you want to complain about that, I will no, tell no, no. you. No, no, I'm just saying to the membership. If you, yeah. I, I talk to a lot of people. I get it. I am with you. I appreciate that people want every hour of their rightfully earned leave back and uh, call me and, you know, we, we figure it out. But, uh, yeah, it's been... It's been well, they've been of, very responsive, be, it, responsive it, through email. I've been keeping track of it through email. And it's the been, best way to do it. Yeah. it. It goes between, it's very inefficient. It goes between FPDR, PFR, BHR. Yes. Sometimes, you know, yes. the, you see this ping ball of where it's, it's a, uh, so we've, we've kind of tried yeah. to reduce the steps to make it quicker and more efficient. We have not fully realized that. Streamline. Yes. All right. Kind of CPI 101, right? Uh, same thing with your rightfully earned leave. The next thing I'd like to talk about, this one I had been thinking about before I got the job, uh, HRAR 6.14, it talks about this leave restoration. You, it mm -hmm. basically says, you know, your owed leave back in this scenario we just talked about, or if your claim is not approved and you're on injury leave, well, now you got to pay that back. Usually it's going to come out of sick leave, but you still have to authorize it, right? And HRAR 6.14 has a 14-day rule that's old and I think doesn't, this is just my opinion. This is not the opinion of PFR and the city of Portland. This is Brent's opinion <laughs> uh -huh. that it's it no longer serves a purpose. Uh -huh. What it says is basically if you don't file a claim within 14 days and you were using your own leave, so you weren't on injury leave, right, obviously, if you mm -hmm. didn't file it, mm -hmm. that upon claim approval, they're only going to restore 75% of your leave. <clears throat> I never thought that was right. That was kind of the one thing on my list I was really thinking about trying to get after getting in the job and all credit to Jared Laws on this one. He worked it. Well, I, I got called up for about two and a half months of military leave last uh, late winter, early spring. He backfilled me and he really pushed this one. And um, we didn't, we didn't get it fixed. It's still in the HRAR, but we addressed it 
with Chief Boone and with uh, HR and uh, to elevate concerns about it and and to get clarification on a clause that also says you can be waived. The chief can waive it or the chief's designee can waive this rule so that you are restored 100% of your leave for an approved claim. Uh-huh. So we're looking at every claim that falls under this now and uh, knocking out all the exceptions that uh, we can to so get 100% of your leave back to you on an approved claim. I can't imagine what it was trying to fix when they we, originally... We think... I don't know either. Uh, we'll, we're still waiting to hear back from HR to see if they have any historic you uh-huh. know, knowledge on what is the intent of this sure. clause. Uh, we, th- we think, best guess, is it's probably an incentive for the timely filing of claims. Okay. But let's remember, we already have that. Right. And it's a go-no-go criteria. You have 30 days to file right. your claim. It can be administratively d- denied if you file right. outside of that, right? So does it serve a purpose anymore? I don't believe that it does. Right. And I, quite frankly, I don't believe that it's right. To, so, so to it, take your rightfully earned leave from you. No. You should get 100% and all, back. all it needs is to get across the chief's desk, whoever that chief may be, yep. a quick signature. I can't imagine any reason to not sign it, but, I mean, as far as I understand, that's the only mechanism there. Sign it. and it, Yeah, and it we have back. that We have that exception. I've talked to my counterpart. There's a FPDR liaison for police bureau too, right? Mm-hmm. I talked to him about it recently. Uh, he's talking about his team um, to see, you know, what, what they're doing and what they're thinking about. Um you know, it might, I don't know where it'll go. It should go away, but maybe it'll go away through contract negotiations. Okay. It just doesn't benefit. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't, it doesn't achieve any purpose other than is to penalize a, our members. So, uh, so the rule's not fixed, but we're getting members most of the time, hundred percent of their leave back. And Great. So another, you, another, using the, uh, exception clause. Another fix, uh, air quoting. Fix, yeah. But yeah, that was a good one. You, Substantive. Yeah. You, you get hundred percent of your claim approved. You should get hundred percent of your leave back. hundred percent. In my opinion. And, and we're trying to do that where every time we okay. can. Uh, this is probably the biggest one, and I'm going to give uh, credit to Jared Laws on this one. FPDR non-service disability and light duty. So let us remember, you have to be 10 years or more mm-hmm. to be eligible for FPDR non-service disability. Yes. Currently, the only way a member gets on light duty is using service-connected disability or non-service disability as a vehicle for that. There's a complementary uh, right. Relationship I'm, I'm sorry. I want to circle back to this, put a pin real quick. It's, I've always just accepted that, the 10 year thing. Mm-hmm. I never even questioned it till the right this second. Mm-hmm. The, ten, that, the 10 I mean, year thing. Yeah. Why, well, like, why, well yeah, that seems arbitrary. Why, I mean, why you know, is it? We, not five, we had, not uh, there's an HR rule that talks about status, and, and we had interpreted it for many, many years that you basically, it says you have, before you can go into this non paid status, you know, Non-service right. disability, or not, it's not non-paid, but before you can go to the status, yeah. you had to use all of your leaves, right? Right. Okay. So let's talk about that. Most of our careers, we're, with yeah. the exception of about the last year. Yeah. And, and I want to so, uh, highlight that as well, because you just glossed over it real quickly, because I was told that for a decade. Mm-hmm. Like, if you get hurt off duty, you have to use all your leaves. Yep. Yeah. Our whole careers, that's what we thought. Yeah. It turns out, uh, you know, uh, Frank had started warming this up, and, you know, Jared pushed it and got really brought you know the key stakeholders that have a hand in this uh-huh. to relook at it and then evaluate like oh yeah that actually doesn't apply specifically to this fpdr non-service disability so guess what you get hurt you don't have to use all your leaves you can go on fpdr right. non-service disability and that can be a vehicle to light duty yes what is light duty it's really transitional duty uh-huh. it's intended to transition you from your disability, your service-connected mm-hmm. or now non-service-connected disability, 
to full duty. Yep. And so there's a maximum time you can do it. And we have to, the doctor has, your attending physician has to, you know, basically say, we think, you know, that they think you'll be back to work within yeah. a maximum of 180 days is the gist of it. Uh-huh. So for FPDR non-service disability, that becomes a very big deal. That is huge. Yep. Yeah, when we can get there. And we've... And listen, for the you folks out there, like, what the F? Like, who cares? Like, you'll care when it's you. Like, you don't... Like, any insurance. Well... You don't, th- you don't think yeah, about maybe, it until you need so it. So maybe, like, maybe service-connected disability, 75% tax-free. Maybe I'm okay. Maybe I don't even want to go to work. I just want to heal up, and the money's okay, and I'm okay. Maybe, right? Well, it's funny, too. If, non-service disability, there's a different financial... I wouldn't even say incentive. It's almost a necessity. I got to get back to work because I got to take care of my family, right? Yeah. And this is where the stars align. Can we get you back to work, mm-hmm. full pay and benefits, and transition you back to full duty? Because that's what light duty is intended for. In this case, it, it checks a lot of boxes, it's right? It's funny because early, early on in my career, that really scared me away from some activities outside of work. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm a soccer player. Yeah. I didn't play soccer for a number of years because I was like, I didn't have a lot of accruals. Mm-hmm. I didn't have much sick leave, didn't have... And that was not like the only reason, but it definitely was in the back of my mind. Like if I break a leg, if I yeah. break an ankle, like I could be a little screwed. So that's, it's definitely a tangible, really yeah, nice doesn't benefit. Go away. I think that's true for a lot of folks, right? But sure. it's, if you're over 10, at least you know something's there. And you know, if you're, you still have to, just because a doc releases you to light duty, doesn't mean you're going on light duty. Right. You still have to. You, you still got to make it. You still got to make it ten years before you can. Well, I mean, just generally on the light duty program, I get a lot of questions on that. Um, you know, again, it's it's intended to transition you to full duty. Right. There's you got to be able to meet certain physical limitations, even though they're lesser than what you would need as a line, you know, firefighter. But uh, nonetheless, okay, all right, all right. You know, it's a good program, and um, we've really opened the door for something we haven't been doing historically. That is an immense benefit to our membership mm-hmm. and to the bureau as well. You know, folks that it's come win- and do light duty. It's a win-win. Do, you know, great things for the organization. Yep. I don't know what else there is to add to that. Let me hit two things real quick. Uh, we do have backup FPDR liaisons. Okay. This job's really seven days a week, you know, and, and people will call seven days a week. Sometimes it's emergent. Sometimes it can be kicked to Monday, you know, and but uh, there are times that any of us need to take leave and check out. So... Uh, Jared's kind of been the main go-to mm-hmm. for the last year, uh, the times mm-hmm. I've needed a backup. Uh, Frank's also qualified to do it. So you, if you, you, someone will answer the phone. Okay. Could be, could be not me though, is what I really want to say right. there. And the, and it's a small group, but we have, you know, folks that are, know what they're talking about and are uh-huh. qualified. Are you, if so, are you actually carrying a phone on the weekend and just using flex time if somebody calls you on the weekend? Usually that's how I do it. Yeah. yeah. I might, okay. I might put in comp time, but, uh, I, you know, I'll usually flex, but yeah, I mean, um, if it requires a call, I'm pr- you're going to so, get a call. Or so I'll, I'll, I'll thank you in advance for the, from the whole membership for that. Cause that's not necessarily a requirement of the job to carry that. Cause you could, I, I, I don't, I don't believe that anyone's done the job that's done it any other way. Cause the job can't be done. It just, it's one of those jobs. And I talked to my counterpart at police. He's the same way, you know, it might not be emergent. It might be able to wait till Monday, Yeah, but it, it, you might need an answer, you know, or something might be going on where it is emergent or time right. sensitive. Okay. You just, it's just it's just that type of job, you know. So, but yeah, I mean, there's times where I I can't do it. <laughs> there's certain vacation scenarios <laughs> where someone I need to t- I need to hand it off, right? Yeah. 
so that's a good deal, and they they know what they're doing. You can you can trust them. I wanted to talk briefly about expiration of COVID presumption that okay. expired on September twenty seventh. Yep. Yep. That was sunsetted 180 days after the mayor's declaration Correct. of emergency ended. So we don't have presumption on COVID. What does that mean? Was that the mayor or the governor? It, it was a trickle down. Trickle one, down. Okay. Yeah, one, one hit the other. Um, they might have been on the same timeline. But okay, okay, similar. Okay. Yeah. So we have a few claims in right now that, that have been submitted without the benefit of presumption mm-hmm. that have not been decided. So I don't know if claims are getting approved or not mm-hmm. approved yet. But if you do want to file a claim... If you can document exposure to a coworker or patient specifically, mm-hmm. time date that in an injury report, maybe I don't know. You know, I, I just don't know. Haven't haven't got there yet. But without presumption, it's you know, if you don't have anything to tie it to, right? Uh, well, you know, okay. how's that well, look? You can certainly give it a shot. If you, you sure feel, can. You, yeah, you know, you, feel, you still got to go to the doc, do all the paperwork. We yeah. don't have the reduced administrative burden that we had with the special rule, COVID mm-hmm. rules and, and those sorts of things. Yeah, I think that was it, Kyle. That was okay. we covered a lot of ground. We did. It's funny because when we chat off the air, we just go into these funny little oh, yeah. rabbit holes. We really didn't do that at all today. We were much more matter still, of fact. We so. still sucked up a bunch of times. So. Yeah, we did. One oh. thing I can add real quick. Uh, one thing that I, I think I forgot to mention about the trustee situation. The one uh, vote I did get to make recently, uh, which should maybe hopefully affect the membership in a positive way, is adding an FTE over at FPDNR. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So they they were requesting another member because they had incredible uh, claim load increase, much due to COVID, but also more because of the uh, new presumptive yep. uh, uh, claims. So uh, the claims load was very high, and they were having a hard time keeping up. And even though even though some of that will diminish with COVID claims potentially going down, uh, they had a very heavy heavy workload. So the request for the board was to add one more FTE. And my initial thought was a little bit um, hesitant just because everyone's short-staffed, but the money's there. The, the thing to know about the, the fund is that the changes made in 06, 07 really have changed that fund from being in danger of being insolvent to being very healthy. Um, now, the cost of everything from the, from the fund to the fund continue to go up while we pre-fund PERS and are, and are paying uh, for the FP&R uh, retirees, but... Where are we at 22 now? In about 10-ish years, they hit the top of that, and it comes down, and the actual burden to the fund uh, financially is going to be is going to be just fine. Yep. So it is completely uh, in a good place. Yeah, actually. there's a cap on what we can assess in property tax, right? So yes. We're not near that. We're not at risk not of, a, of hitting that or busting that for need. Of like so. the 10,000 actuarial scenarios mm-hmm. they ran through, less than 1% hit that yeah. cap. So for your pension security... And, you know, financial security for all things FPDR. Right. In good Retirement and disability related, we're looking good. Yeah. So the point of all that, you know, uh, information is that the, 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 we as a board voted to add one more FTE as an analyst. So the thought behind that is it should offer the membership, both police and fire, better customer service in their claims that they that they uh, put in because this analyst should be able to reduce the load a little bit. Yeah. And, and, uh, uh, our members rightfully have concerns about timeliness of claim decisions. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the a lot of the things we have presumption on, even though we have the benefit of pres- presumption, the claims are still complex and take time. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's simple claims and complex claims, and simple stuff is quicker and right. complex claims. You know, the you know, the one thing longer. I want to add real quickly, I think that there may be, and 
I may be off base. You can correct me if you think I'm wrong. There may be somewhat of a negative feeling at times out in the companies about FPNR denying claims. Mm-hmm. Um, there, that does happen on occasion. I think that the vast majority are uh, accepted. Yeah. And that for the most part, I mean, they are working for us. And you may have had bad experiences with one or two analysts or attorneys or somebody. And then those those negative stories tend to get more traction than the positive ones. Sure. But my experience, I do believe that the folks over there are working for us. Um, and they're in our, you know, they support us. Yeah. Police of fire to the best of their ability. They're just going to administer the fund. Yeah, I would say their disability, but they're not. They're not against us. Yeah, I'd say the starting position. If I can ever coach anyone that has an open mind, when you're filing a claim, look at them as a neutral entity. They're not out to get you, and they're not out to help you. We've got to go through the process and prove your case. Get Mm -hmm. an approved claim. Now your claim analyst is should be helping you with navigating treatment options administrative responsibilities yeah. and things like that. I'm always here to help. That's my job. That's what I get paid for. I chuckle when people will thank me for doing this. I'm always, and I'll always say they pay me to do it and I'm happy to do it. Mm-hmm. It really is an honor to do this job. Uh, and they pay me and yeah. it's great. So yeah. you don't, you don't have to thank me and you, you can call me anytime. Uh-huh. I might not answer if I'm off duty, but I'll sure check your message and okay. figure out if I need to call you back. And, uh, that's really what I am at the end of the day. I'm mostly a resource for our membership. You know? Resource and an advocate. I, I will advocate when I can, for sure. Okay. But, you know, that's a good point, Kyle. Yeah. I do not represent you in your claim. I'm not, you know, I'm not there advocating. That's when we talk about that pre-2006 board. Right. You know, that's different. Those are different times. FPDR liaison did it a little differently. So I don't advocate your claim, but I will certainly, you know, advocate for you and and all things, you know, that come with that there's a lot of rabbit holes there right with you know, there's things, a lot of administrative but, uh, process but we too. do I, I mean there's certainly unique requests and situations and i'm there to help navigate that with your claim analyst and fpdr and advocate uh anytime i can so don't don't hesitate to call i have Brian. a bias i tell fpdr that i'm like you know i have a bias yep you know who it's for it's right it's for our membership so perfect so don't don't hesitate to call brent if you have issues and we're going to close this up here do you have any closing thoughts anything you want to just um Stomp real quick for uh, the membership. Um, I think <laughs> I bet there's something in here. They're like those that spent the time to listen and think. And if you're like, what are they talking about? Feel free to call me. I'll, <laughs> I'll do my best. You know. I thought it's funny. I have the same feeling. Like, what oh are, yeah, what, call what, Kyle first because he's your he's your trustee. That's what, great. I like what that. Have we call talked Kyle about? first? I, I don't even know who we talked about. Yeah, it was it's just been an hour. Who you know? Who's your FPDR liaison? We covered that kind of yeah. a little bit around the world of FPDR and a lot of injury stuff, yeah. rightfully so. That's a lot of what, you know, the, the stuff we do, but uh, a little bit of a little bit of the board and we went around the FPDR world there. So awesome. Yeah. Thanks so much, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thank yep, you, Brent. Thanks, Kyle. Yep.